This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.11 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We are talking today about how to prevent bullying in the workplace and this is in conjunction with Workplace Bullying Awareness Week, which is this week. We'd like to hear from you uh, if you have questions about how to handle bullying in the workplace, if you've experienced it and you want to share, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us on the line now is Amelia Sharmila. Managing Partner at Speak Up Malaysia. Emilia, always good to have you with us. Hi, thank you for having me. So uh, we have in the past covered the issue of workplace bullying, uh, in fact, with you. But to kick things off, uh, talk to us about the ways in which bullying can, in fact, manifest at the workplace. Bullying manifests in all sorts of different ways. But I'm going to mention, I have 15 here right in front of me. So I'm going to quickly mention um, a few. So we have favoritism and blocking growth. That's a very common one. Then you have things like taking away credit or being overly critical about someone's work or performance at work. Uh, you have the common shouting and profanities or belittling and making fun of someone. Um, it also comes in the form of misgendering someone at work. Um, you also then have things like sabotage, um, spreading office rumors or being a part of a culture in the workplace that is extremely cutthroat. And then you have a whole different category where we're looking at things like unfair compensation, unreasonable workload, unfair work distribution, unreasonable hours, and things like that. So when we're looking at bullying, there's really a myriad of different things that can happen. Um, it can manifest in all sorts of different ways. But I think ultimately, when we're trying to identify bullying, we're looking at a situation where someone ended up feeling victimized, intimidated, threatened, isolated, or being vilified in the context of the workplace. So how often is it that the bosses are the bullies and how often is it between peers? Mm. Um, in, in most cases, I would say it's always someone in the position of power. It might not be your immediate superior, but that person must have um, actual power that is appointed or that is authorized by the company. Or it could also be some kind of social power. For example, we, we, we exist in a world where social media is part and parcel of our day-to-day lives. Um, I've been a part of cases where someone who, the bully is not necessarily a person who is um, level-wise at work, is, you know, one level above, but because they're more popular on social media, they, ha- they have a bigger following, um, you know, that could also become something that is, um, you know, could make this person um, become more powerful as compared to this other person. So majority, I would say it happens in the context where this bully has a position of power. But bullying in the context of peer-to-peer or even the opposite, where subordinate is bullying the boss, that also exists, um, although, you know, a, a minute of cases. Um, so I think when we're looking at this power differential element, we have to remember that you have to look at the context of the relationship between individuals and not just the formal power between them. And how does this power difference in all its myriad ways, right, whether formal or informal, affect the way that situations are managed? I think usually when when 
bullying happens, the first thing people will do is they will talk to someone close to them, right? Um, this could include a co-worker. If you're complaining about a boss, I find that it is much harder to gain support system in the workplace because lesser people would be willing to stand up to the boss, right? So people would just say, you know what, just keep our heads down. Let's not make a big deal out of this. Uh, you know, the boss is like that. She's like that. He's like that. Let's just do our work or he or she means well. Um, but when it comes to you reporting the matter to HR, in theory, HR is supposed to take the matter, well, a little more seriously when it comes to cases where someone is abusing their power and using it, you know, to bully and cause psychological um, um, harm onto another person. So when you report that, it also impacts not just the way the case is handled, it impacts investigation, who will be interviewed, you know, what kind of questions do you ask and things like that. Because number one, you have to ascertain this power. Number two, you want to ascertain whether or not this power has been abused. Number three, you want to ask yourself questions like, in what way um, has the power been abused and how does this impact this other person? So I find that when you're investigating cases where the bully is someone in a position of power, it's actually, I don't want to say it's easier, but I think the process can be a bit more defined. But when you're talking about peer-to-peer um, bullying, it becomes a bit more complicated because you have to establish first, does this person, you know, have the power to inflict this kind of harm onto you or onto this onto this victim. So I would say this power differential is a huge element in bullying. Um, and, you know, from the point in which it is committed all the way to the point of investigation, because it is a question that investigators always have to ask and always have to ascertain throughout the process of investigation. Right. So speaking of investigation, how are cases of bullying typically handled? Um, they are handled like any other cases um, of wrongdoing in the workplace. So that means you have to look at things like severity of harm. Um, and when it comes to then looking at the punishment that you want to give out, you want to look at things like proportionality. You want to look at things like what is effective and things like that. Um, I've worked with um, organizations who are extremely retributive in nature. So that means you they constantly want to look at things like, okay, you've committed a wrongdoing. You've, you've, you've been bullying people. So maybe, you know, you are no longer welcome in the organization, right? But I also work with a lot of organizations and this is, um, you know, my preferred approach usually is for you to look at things in a more restorative justice kind of way. So that means while retribution is on the table, you also want to look at things like rehabilitation. So how can you train this person or how can you equip this person with the tools, with the skills, with the mental aptitude, with all of these different things that would enable them to be a better person, a more like like a like a more supportive colleague, for example, or or a better boss, a better leader, right? So that element, you want to look at things like that as well, because if you don't, you will end up just removing every every single person in the organization that you know that has been complained of or who have a um, um, you know, complaint being proven or unproven of, right? So I do think when it comes to the way bullying is handled, of course you have to look at the severity of the act of bullying in itself. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that awareness is a huge issue. And we, when someone is being promoted at work, they are not necessarily trained. Or, okay, you now have a team to manage. Here's, you know, all these sorts of um, resources, tools, and, and training that you can access, um, you know, for you to be able to serve that duty in a way that is equitable for the rest of your team members. So I do find that 
in the absence of, you know, all of that, it is also very important to view things in a way that you will allow for a betterment or, or an improvement um, to happen in the context of the workplace. This is slightly controversial because I've gotten into a lot of disagreements with people because um, some people are of the opinion that, you know, people should just be um, taken out of the context of the workplace. Of course, you know, in severe cases, of course, I would, I would, I would um, you know, um, advice for that as well but I do think this this element of re- rehabilitation is also very important not just for the victim but also for the perpetrator. So there is also um, I mean this kind of very entrenched idea of snitches getting stitches. Uh, what can be done about this vicious cycle where reporting bullying may in and of itself beget more bullying? Mm. And this is the interesting part of bullying right because bullying can happen as a primary wrongdoing that means the 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 action or the wrongdoing in itself is of a bullying nature and that is the primary complaint um um, being lodged to hr or whoever is in charge but bullying can also be a secondary wrongdoing and this happens in the context where there is a different primary wrongdoing and then bullying is used as a tool to control, to silence, or to further punish someone um, as a sort of like follow-up wrongdoing to the primary wrongdoing. You know, it could be things like um, someone has been sexually harassed and then they are bullied into silence, right? Um, So in the context of um, when you talk about, um, you know, bullying and whether or not it is something that you can sort of regulate in the context of the workplace or or, or whether or not it is something that you can um, address in the context of the workplace, it also depends on whether or not it is a primary or secondary wrongdoing um, in that particular situation. So when someone is being complained about, um, you know, like you say, right, snitches getting stitches and stuff like that, it is very, very common where the when you speak up, you will receive further retaliation, you will be further victimized. If, if you ask me, I would say nine out of 10 cases um, that I've seen would involve the victim facing further retaliation or further victimization. So how do you deal with this in the context of the workplace? So for leaders, for employers, what we usually advise is for you to put in place certain assurance mechanism. That means it is no longer sufficient to only put in place mechanism that allows people to complain about a particular wrongdoing, but it must also come with a mechanism that give them certain assurances that once they complain, certain things are protected. And if those things are not protected, then that becomes automatically another wrongdoing that would warrant another investigation on top of the original investigation. So for example, if let's say today I complain about being bullied by my boss and then, you know, after, although like HR was like, yeah, you know, we'll protect your privacy and confidentiality as much as possible. But usually because an investigation has to happen, your identity will be known at least to the person being investigated because even if they don't inform your name, they can usually guess because of the, you know, because of the circumstances or because of facts of the case being complained about, right? So in that situation, then the company will say, okay, we will um, ask you to do a few things. Number one, either you create a separation between the person being bullied and the bully. So it could mean like, okay, for the um, in the three weeks that we're going to conduct this investigation, we are going to transfer you to work in different departments. Or it could be a situation where, hey, we don't want you to bump into each other in the office. So, you know, every um, both of you work from home. It could be um, a situation where the company can impose a no communication rule. So that means 
throughout this investigation, the bully and the victim are not allowed to contact each other for whatever reason. And if they need to talk to each other about work, for example, it has to go through an intermediary. So all of these things are sort of like certain things that companies can put in place. But the bottom line is this. There must be assurances that if the victim ever feel like they are being further punished or they are being bullied because they have, you know, because they spoke up, then automatically they can add that fact to the investigation team and the investigation team have to take that into consideration. So I think these are some of the things that you can put in place to provide further victimization or retaliation from happening once, um, you know, a, a, a victim lodged their complaint. Amelia, we do have a question here from an anonymous listener. Um, they're asking, is bullying as much about the personality of the bully as well as the bullied? Personality, that's interesting. I, I, won't, I wouldn't say it's about the personality, but I would say it's about approaches. So for example, how do you give instructions at work if you're a boss? How do you speak? What is your method of communication? What is your leadership style? How do you enforce accountability in the workplace? How do you enforce performance? How do you rally your team and, you know, to get them to work um, on, on a project um, urgently, for example? So I have seen people who are not that likable but have really good leadership style, for example, you know. Um, so it's not about your personality and whether or not you are likable as a person. So I would say, especially when it comes to investigation, it's always about actions, decisions, behavior um, that are done, be deliberately or otherwise, um, to inflict certain kind of harm onto a person. Um, I would say, though, that, you know, a, someone's personality may seem relevant at first, uh, but you can't, you know, sort of like investigate a matter or come to a decision solely on the basis of someone's personality, because I do think that would be a little unfair. So you started to cover this a little bit earlier, um, but if we extend that, what would a non-toxic work environment actually look like? <laughs> Um, a non-toxic work environment would look like a place where you feel like you have opportunities to grow, where you feel like there is career progression, where you feel like you are supported and where you feel like if you need help, you can approach your boss, you can approach your colleagues, you can approach your peer. So it's re so if I were to paint a picture, so imagine yourself managing a project at work, right? So number one, when you're when you are being given the instructions, okay, here's your project, this is the instructions. Number one, is the is the workload being given to you fair? Is this fair, you know, considering the compensation? Would this require you to work extra hours almost every day? Does this mean you are given a team to work with? Um, so those are, you know, so in, in a healthy workplace, those things are fair to you. Like you feel like, yeah, this is great. The deadline is reasonable. I can work with that. And then secondly, if you if you require help, um, are those things being given to you, right? Um, would you boss... Um, would your boss be able to check in with you on a weekly basis, for example, to make sure that everything is okay and things like that? And let's say you fail. Let's say certain deliverable, um, you know, are not met. Um, how would you, um, how would that conversation go between you and your boss or with, between you and your and your manager, for example? Are you immediately punished for that? Or when they are asking these questions, are you belittled? Um, do they use profanities? Are you being shouted at, for example? So a healthy workplace is a workplace where throughout the process of all those things that I explained, you feel like you are supported and you don't feel like, oh my God, this is it. This is the end of it. I mean, managing a project is stressful on its own. So I would say a toxic workplace is that it is the absence of all of these other things that would make you even more stressed out. Um, you know, 
yeah, so that's 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 how we describe a healthy workplace. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about policies. Are there any existing laws that we can look to when it comes to establishing a healthy work culture? We don't have clear laws that govern this area, but under status quo, I have seen um, people taking up cases of constructive dismissal, for example, to address cases of bullying um, that, that, you know, later on, it involved them to, to, to leave the workplace and then they claim for constructive dismissal, for example. Um, I have seen things like, you know, grievance mechanism, whistleblowing mechanism in the workplace being used for this. But I must say that we don't have specific laws um, like in other countries that say, oh, you cannot be contacted outside of office hour that regulate things like digital bullying, that regulate things like, oh, um, how can very specific things like misgendering at the workplace. So we don't have specific laws to address all of these things. So what I would like to see happen is not just in terms of specific laws being implemented, but while that's happening, I would also love to see more guidelines being introduced and implemented. Um, One thing that we are working on is to draft the corporate governance code on diversity, equality, and inclusion that could hopefully address a lot of the um, concerns that people have when it comes to bullying in the workplace. And although this will not be legal binding, but at least it would set the standards uh, on what should be done at the workplace and how certain things should be handled in the workplace. So hopefully that should be able to, you know, shed some light on the matter. Emilia, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been a pleasure. That was Emilia Sharif, Managing Partner at Speak Up Malaysia, discussing workplace bullying, identifying it, trying to prevent it, what companies can do. Uh, We'd like to hear from you if you would like to share your experience on bullying in the workplace, if you have thoughts on it, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.